Welcome to Real Time, the podcast for and about realtors, brought to you by the Canadian Real Estate Association. I'm Erin Davis, and we are so ready to take a deep breath and just be as we listen to the wisdom of our guest today. As a realtor, you know success is tied to performance, but good things take work, and building a business in real estate is no different. Performance, however, can sometimes feel like a synonym for stress. Fortunately, mindfulness can help bring balance. Today in episode 42, we're joined by George Mumford, also known as the Performance Whisperer. George is a pioneer in sports psychology and performance, having worked with legendary athletes like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Today, George is renowned globally for his groundbreaking approach to mindfulness, which he brings to us to help realtors, to help you along your path to enduring success. Welcome to Real... Do I have to whisper, George? You are the whisperer. Can I just talk normally? Yes. (laughs) Okay, we're going to do this our way. (laughs) Welcome to Real Time, George. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Erin. Well, you have such an inspirational story, so we're going to get to all of that. But first off, let's talk mindfulness in the big picture here. We all have an idea of what mindfulness is to each of us. To me, it's reading John Kabat-Zinn, like wherever you go, there you are. And I know that that's one of your mottos. Yeah. And meditating and just breathing, being conscious of the breath. But you, what is mindfulness to you as we begin what's going to be a great chat here today on Real Time? Yeah, thank you for asking. Mindfulness to me is just mirror mind. So what that means is that mindfulness is just a mirror and it allows us to see what's in front of the mirror. And the idea of developing mindfulness is so that we make sure that the mirror doesn't have any dust on it. We just clear it off so it just reflects what's in front of it. Everything that's in front of it, not just one thing, a little thing. So it's like mirror mind. And so when you're mindful of something, you're just noticing it. You're letting whatever it is that you're mindful of speak to you in its own language so when you're being mindful of it you're not pushing it away or pulling it towards you this means the data or the the object is in front of the mirror you're not pushing it away or pulling it towards you you're not even interpreting it not initially you're allowing it to speak for itself in its own language does that make sense yes it does because we all do it in our busy lives or many of us do and In telling your story, you have, as I've mentioned off the top, an inspirational story, George, but can you tell us how you went from aspiring basketball player to one of the most sought-after sports psychologists? Yes. So I I went to UMass Amherst, uh, and I was a walk-on. I wasn't uh, uh, recruited to play basketball. I had an academic scholarship, and at that time, I was rooming with Julius Irving, a Dr. J, he's a Hall of Famer, one of the, oh. you know, uh, he was uh, my yeah. roommate in college. And so I used to play with him and we were roommates and we had planned on playing on the team, but we were, it was right about this time, I guess, and we were playing pickup. So what happens is right now, because basketball hasn't started, the varsity players or the people who are going to play, they would play against each other. And during the pickup, we were playing and, and when I went up, for a shot, a layup or something. This one of the guys undercut me, cut my legs from underneath me, and I injured my my ankle. And that was pretty much the end of my career uh, in, in college. And so, 
So I struggled with that. So initially I got addicted to pain meds and then I got addicted to, to illegal drugs, specifically heroin and alcohol. And so I was a very functional substance abuser. So I was able to graduate from college and, and work in corporate world for a while. But then at some point, uh, I couldn't keep doing it and I couldn't stop. And then I got into recovery. And when I got in recovery, I, I noticed that I had uh, well, first thing that was clear is that I had chronic pain, but I had a I had to embrace and say I have, my life is unmanageable by me. I have a problem. Once I admitted I had a problem, went into detox and and got counseling and got out of it. But one of the in the process of getting clean, I realized I had chronic pain, so I couldn't really take pain meds. So I had to figure out a way of relating to the pain without using uh substances because my addiction doesn't know if it's if it's uh mm -hmm. you know if it's prescribed or not it would just uh, kick kick that um that addiction up right so anyway so i was in this experimental program it was called stress management so i learned how to manage stress it was really more about me changing my lifestyle and taking a more active role in my in my health care and so I learned meditation and yoga and Tai, you know, and I got exposed to Tai Chi. But the main thing it did was it, it opened up this idea that, that I had to learn. So they had, we had a syllabus, a book list of the books to read and, and the things so that we start to learn about the mind body system, the process and realize the mind and the body are connected and that through, you know, through self-regulation, I could, regulate my stress or manage my pain in a certain way and so i got into this stress management uh, course was taught by this woman amazing doctor dr joan borisenko and at the time she was one of three psychoneuroimmunologists and 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 so i learned about the mind body system so being a recovering perfectionist i am i read every book on that <laughs> syllabus <laughs> and then it gave me other books and so here i am in my 40th year of sobriety and I've averaged over a book a week oh. uh, during that whole time. Congratulations. But, thank you. And it's interesting because once I got clean and, and, and I started listening to myself, I noticed that I needed to be intellectually stimulated. Ergo, I started learning things and then I realized the best way to learn, to keep it was to, was to give it away and if I wanted to learn something, to teach it. And so I started working and, you know, I worked as a financial analyst during the day and then I would at nights and weekends, I would work in a in a detox, uh, helping people in recovery, and so I started using this not only for my recovery but for my well-being and teaching it to others. And so that's how I got into it. And then, fast forwarding to the uh, 1990s, and and I'm working uh, with John Kabat-Zinn at the Center for Mindfulness at the UMass Medical Center, and he. Um, knew Phil Jackson and they were teaching in the summer at this place called Omega and this is 30 years ago mm -hmm. and the Bulls Chicago Bulls had just won three NBA championships in a row and Phil wanted somebody to come in to help the players deal with the stress of success so I ended up going to training camp and working with the the Bulls and of course they had a full-blown crisis because Michael Jordan's father was murdered and Michael retired and so that's how I got started. And it was really more about me just going there and just wanting to serve, wanting to share my experience, strength, and hope. So that's how I got there. And then it just took off, obviously. The Bulls won championships. And then uh, then Phil 
uh, went to the Lakers and the Lakers won championships and he took me with him and then I started working with other folks. I left the medical center and I started freelancing and that's how I got here. But it was really more about the adversity or I feel like, and it's interesting because I've written two books, The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance, and then my current book, Unlocked, Embrace Your Greatness, Find the Flow, Discover Success. And the interesting thing is people will say, well, why did you write about you know the substance abuse and whatnot, and I said, no, that's without that I wouldn't be here. The, the, des- the gift of desperation, what I call the AOF method of motivation. It's like a lot of people I work with, and I know they say, yeah, they want to change, but they don't change. Well, what helped me change was my butt was on fire or ass on fire. That's what I mean by. Um, oh, that's the AOF. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A- ass on fire. So I got eaten, <laughs> and then it was the sense of urgency. But I got to a place because I had a friend of mine who got clean. So he was it was an inspiration. I got triggered. My um, my ignition got lit because I seen what was possible for him. And then once I got clean, it was like this is amazing life living on life's terms, but without substances and actually getting to know myself better so that I, I got to know myself so I could be myself and so I could express myself and so I could share myself. So that's what I've been doing. So two books and I continue to work with people. So, and it doesn't matter where they are, you know, as long as you got a mind, I could probably work with you or help you work with yourself. So that's how I got there. It was through adversity, but saying yes to it and using it as a stepping stone having the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, knowing it's all about learning, growing, and developing. And over these 40 years, I've I've uh, reinvented myself for multiplicity at times as well as getting to know myself more and more because I change, everything changes, and it's, it's been a wonderful journey of self-discovery. Next up, as we talk with performance coach George Mumford, one amazing guest, two kinds of mindsets. Which one is yours? Crea Cafe is your place to take a break, grab a pumpkin spice, whatever you like, and catch up on the latest trends and topics affecting you and your clients. Find it all at creacafe.ca. Now we return to our conversation with George Mumford, and I urge you just Google some of his quotes because we're hearing them from the man himself today. Words of wisdom that apply to you both every day and especially in your life as a realtor on real time. You talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I think that that really, among all of the things that you've said so far, like the term recovering perfectionist, everybody raise your hand, unless you're driving, (laughs) keep both hands on the wheel. But yeah, I think that that really resonates too, my friend. So let us talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Can we? Yes. So back in my youth, I would read something and I say, okay, either I get it or I don't get it. And that's it. Fixed mindset says you can't learn, you can't grow, you can't develop. You know, you are what you are and you can't change. And the growth mindset is the opposite, which says we all have this masterpiece inside or, or divine spark or Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, Kuan Yin energy, whatever it is. But there's, there's a greatness within us. And in all of us, not just one, some of us, but all of us have it. And it's really a matter of 
embracing it and developing it and accessing it. And the challenge is it can only be accessed by us. It's an inside job. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that I access that, uh, to the degree that I embrace my greatness, I'm able to find my flow and discover success. And so it's just me being who I'm supposed to be. You know, it's, it's being my authentic self, giving myself permission to go inside and to follow my strongest passion. You know, Joseph Campbell would say, follow your bliss. Mm -hmm. So to me, I want everybody to have that experience. I want everybody to have the opportunity to, like I said, to get to know themselves, to realize that you have a masterpiece within, you can access it, only you can do it. And the bad news is we lock ourselves up. Uh -huh. The good news is because we lock ourselves up, we can let ourselves out. We can unlock ourselves. Okay. And we are all open to the message here that you're sharing, George. So in terms of business, how are the concepts of mindfulness and performance related? In a business context, how do you make the two coexist peacefully within? You've described yourself as a type A which, again, many of us are, and recovering perfectionists. But you say you're a type A without the hostility. So let us go back to the business concept or context, and I'll ask you again, how do you marry the two, and can they coexist? Yes, yes. I, well, I was in business for four or five years before I left business and while I was uh, on this journey, and it, it, it really... It's really about having a way of being, realizing that you can compete in a way where you don't lose your humanity. And I, I say this to people all the time. When I'm competing, I'm not competing against anybody out there. I'm competing against my previous best self. And I will say with grace and ease, which came decades afterwards, but... It's like you, you can love yourself and you can have the tough love, but it's really more about understanding that no matter what you're doing, wherever you go, there you are. So whether you're a business person or whatever role you're in, you can learn how to be in the moment and live in alignment with the way things work. We live in a network of relationships. So it's about mutual benefit, mutual respect and seeing the greatness in others. Uh, so I see it, uh, you know, I see masterpieces all over the place. Uh, even if people don't see them, I see it. And that's how, how I'm relating to myself and others, mostly to others. It's challenging to do it for myself. But through doing it to others, I'm, I can do it for myself. But it's really more about uh, having a way of being where you say yes to life and you embrace it and you learn from it. You're, whatever it's there, it's like, what's the lesson? Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And you see things as challenges, not as... Uh, curses or burdens or instead of seeing the enemy seeing somebody who is suffering just like i am suffering it, it just maybe be they don't understand that it's a that they can they can be an infinity they can be uh, they can come from goodwill rather than feeling like they're in survival mode where they got to destroy or deny anybody who's a threat and everything's a threat when you're in survival mode exactly and that's how it often feels in business, in changing economies and changing situations, and again, of course, since we're talking to realtors, in changes in the markets all the time. So, George, how do we get into the zone to maximize our potential? 
Yes, how do we get into the zone? So that's perfect because I live a lot of my life in the zone. You don't have to just be uh, an, uh, an athlete, but you do have to have clear goals and you have to have an ability to observe your goals and know when you have to keep make a, adjustments on the fly. Mm-hmm. So under the conditions, you'll be in flow. But if you try to get in the flow, you won't. But I know if your challenges are high and your skills, knowledge, and experience is high and you're just out of your comfort zone, you know, it's, it's hard to do but doable. Or in other words, you're out of your comfort zone. You have access to flow. But it's something that once you get the flow, then it becomes normalized and you have to, it's like a step function. You have to challenge yourself some more. You have to learn more skills if that's what you want to do. So you're, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So we know what the flow triggers are. We know that you have to have clear goals Mm -hmm. and get immediate feedback or feedback loops. And in that loop, you got to keep adjusting, adapting. So if you, so that you stay on task, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to experience some level of anxiety. Anytime we change anything, we're going to mobilize anxieties. Right. But anxiety is the other side of freedom. So it comes, but if you can say yes to it and just keep moving with it. So the best example I can give is that you watch improv. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when somebody's doing improv and someone says, there's a, there's a pink elephant in the bathroom. And if you don't accept that and you say, no, I'm not going to go with that, then there's no flow. But if you say... Oh, just make sure he doesn't use all the toilet paper (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Then, then, you see what I'm saying? So whatever life throws us, we have to say yes to it and see it as an opportunity to step up. Okay. And, and so to get in the flow, but you have to train for it. You have to, you have to uh, be able to, uh, challenge. That's why it's got to be inner directed. We got to set clear goals and get immediate feedback but we have to be clear about the feedback we're getting the error corrections how what we attribute the errors to if we attribute it to not being big enough or fast enough or the right size or have the right hair or any of that yeah uh that's not what gets us there what gets us there is we make choices and we can learn from our mistakes and so we attribute the mistake to not making the right effort or not getting the right understanding of how things work, then once we align with that, then then you're rolling. So it's this ability to to make mistakes and to learn from them. It's this ability uh, as, and it's interesting because Winston Churchill said success is going from failure to failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm really talking about is is this idea of being a learner, learning to learn and just realizing that it's a lesson. What's the lesson? You learn a lesson and you keep it moving. Yeah. But you have to say yes to stuff, embrace it, generate the hope and then figure it out because that's the other thing about us being these masterpieces. We figure stuff out. We are wired for success, but we have to be willing to get comfortable being uncomfortable and be willing to be honest with what we're getting and and then stop blaming and denying. We have to say, I am responsible. Even if something happens to me, I get to choose my response and my reaction to it. And in that space between stimulus and response, we get to choose in alignment with our goals and, and our core values. And I know it's, it's challenging, but we got to go inside and know, well, what am I, what do I want and what am I willing to do? Or who am I willing to be to do what I want to do? It's that simple and that challenging. It's easy 
in terms of it sounds easy, but it's challenging because it's going against the stream. It's going against everything we probably learned. That it's if you make a mistake, you don't have to beat yourself up. All you got to do is see this feedback and then make the adjustment. And you can do it with joy. So whether you're in business or not, it's like, okay, you got core values. You have a worthy cause. And you have rules for engagement. You you want to have your integrity, but you also want to keep your kindness and, and be able to uh, have goodwill. I mean, nobody wants to be around somebody who who looks at them as a thing. Everybody wants to be seen as a whole person, not as a thing. And so if I don't relate to you as a, a person with a body, with a mind, with a heart, and a soul, or spirit, if I leave any one of those dimensions out, from my interaction with you, then I'm relating to a thing, not a person. And the same with myself. I can embrace all of that. My body, the way it is. My mind, I can make my mind my best friend. My heart, I can manage my emotions. I can have emotional intelligence. And the spirit, uh, I and the other one, uh, about contribution and meaning. The meaning is to relate to people to, in a way that I want to be related to. Mm. To see myself and others as one. And we see that every once in a while when we have a tr- catastrophe like 9-11 or when a young man, uh, American football, DeMar Hamlin, he was making a tackle. And after he had the contact with the person, he just stood up and he fell down on his back and he had a heart attack. And everybody came over and the game stopped. Everybody just was concerned about this young man. And the NFL never cancels games or any of that stuff. But at that moment, everybody's individual selves melted into us. And what's happening to him is happening to us, and we want him to be the best. And so every once in a while, we get through this beyond this illusion of separateness, and that's helpful. So I would say that there's a way of relating with integrity, with compassion, and with goodwill, and you can you can do amazing things. And not only that, where you you know you're able to share the market and grow your business and and create a, an environment where people will work there because they're able to to be themselves. They're able to grow professionally and personally. And I know some people might say, "Okay, this guy has never been. I've been in business. I work with CEOs. Mm-hmm. I know how this works, and I know." If you want to perform at a at an elite level, you got to be genuine. You got to be real. You got to have integrity. You got to do the work, but you have to not lose your humanity and know that I am the other one. And even if you compete against somebody, you don't make them a thing. You see them as a person, and you you relate in that way. So, but it begins with me. It begins with me relating to myself as a whole person and taking care of myself. We return to George Mumford, gatherer and sharer, and more about the importance of listening, especially when things are swirling around you, both in business and in life. We're glad you're following our podcast. We have 41 insightful episodes just waiting for you to dig in and be inspired. There's a new one every month, and we're grateful to have you joining us here in our real-time podcast community. Now back to the performance whisperer himself, George Mumford, on Real Time. 
Going back to so much that you've said, and honestly, you are preaching to the choir here, George, from man's search for meaning to the Stoics. Okay, that happened. Now, what are you going to do about it? And also the aspect, the image of improv and the yes and. But the most important part of improv, besides having a really good mind, is listening. And listening is part of what you have given as a message to people who are kind of in the, you know, it's chaos around them. So as a leader, what do you do? What is the thing that is most necessary for you in order to not control chaos, but to kind of ride it? Yes, be the eye of the hurricane. Mm. Well, in the hurricane, in the eye, it's calm, peaceful, it's quiet, there's blue skies, there's no turmoil there. There's just silence, spaciousness. I would even say love, compassion, openness. It's, there's a ease of being. It's just you're in a place of rest. And so when you're in the eye of the hurricane, you can be aware of the hurricane without being identified or pulled into the whirlwinds. Mm-hmm. And you're not trying to make the hurricane go away. You're trying to just, your intention is to, to let it be the hurricane. You be the eye. And like everything else, it's going to rise and fade away. Hurricanes don't last forever. They end at some point. And so you need to stay in the eye and realize you're in the eye that from this place of rest. Joseph Campbell talked about it in The Power of Myth. He said, when a, and this is anybody, but he said, when an athlete is in championship form, they come from this place of rest. They come from their center so that they're not compelled by desire or fear. They hold their center. And so now you get to a place where you can be alert and relaxed at the same time and just notice things and then the question is uh, how can I help how can I serve or what's the win what's important now or make the next play and so uh, just holding the space and having it calm makes a big difference and I'll share with you a story that uh, the experience the first year I was working with the Lakers it was 2000 and the Lakers were playing Portland Trailblazers and my buddy Scotty was on the other team and they had an amazing team and it was four quarter game seven so whoever won that game was going on to the NBA championship it was 10 minutes and 28 seconds left in the quarter there's 12 minute quarters and they were they were trailing by 15 points and so Phil called a timeout when I was sitting behind the bench so obviously I got up when the team came over and the team came to the bench and he said we have them just where we want them one stop one score that's how we're going to win <laughs> and that's all he said and we've been practicing the mindfulness and this ability to be the eye of the hurricane or just make the next play what's important now and won that game it was a tremendous comeback one by seven and that's because he held the space and he gave them he changed how things occurred to them we can do this I imagine Tom Brady did the same thing when they were down even more when when he came back and beat the Atlanta um, Falcons. It was the same thing. Okay, man, we got this. Mm-hmm. Just got to make the next play. Mm-hmm. We ain't got to get them all at once. But it's, that's that's what it is, is, is being in the moment because in the moment you can manage the moment and then the next moment and the next moment. And so all things are possible when we can be in the moment and be clear about what our intentions are and being able to execute them. And it's not about the other team. It's about you. It's about us. And so as a manager, 
there's this idea of knowing what the you know what the rules are what's important now uh so okay so we got to begin from now and then okay so stay calm and then just focus on the next thing do what you know to do and the next step will be given to you and that's how you do it and but you have to program yourself because we're programmed to overreact and curse and and to feel like we got to be in there and we got to look like we're angry and or we got to look like it's, you know, serious. We got to have a skull face and start smiling and say, hey, this is going to be awesome. We got this. We just got to make the next play. And even if you don't uh, achieve everything, you still have changed your state and you're in ease. You're having fun. You're having joy. And then you realize that that can be a way of being. So even if you're challenged by difficult tasks or having a balanced work, love, and play and you have somebody who's sick or, or something happens, uh, you can, if you keep, if you stay in the eye of the hurricane and then you ask, okay, what's the next play? But you got to embrace, yes, this is happening. I don't like it. But if I can say yes to it and generate the hope, I can learn the lesson. I can relate to it in a way where it's going to take me forward and it's going to transform not only me, but, uh, you know, the whole situation, people uh, that are engaged in it and whatnot. So that's that's what's possible. Uh just being able to, to just to find that place of rest, that still point, that eye of the hurricane. Yeah. And observe experience in a way. And there's something I'll say about that mm -hmm. from my own experience is when I come from that place of rest, when I come from the eye of the hurricane, there's a wisdom and a creativity that comes out of that. That is beyond description that's what flow is you're in flow you just know things there's no self-consciousness you're just you're fully engaged in what you're doing not on how you're doing or seeing as a personal self you're just in the flow and so that's we have that capacity to do that no matter what we're doing that we can have access to that but the best way to have access to it is not to have access to it just to just to create the conditions in which that happens can I ask you, George, if you're in the center, the eye of the hurricane, the calm, and you're talking about your teammates, you're Phil Jackson, and you tell your bench that this is what's going to happen, and glory be, it does. What about in terms of realtors and their clients? Because the clients are spinning sometimes, buying yes. a house, selling a property. Yes. So, so stressful. Yes. How do you help external forces or external beings who may not be on your bench? Yes, well, by 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 holding the space, by staying calm and serving, just recognizing that there are, and then asking them questions. You know, people they have their own way of doing it, but it's just focusing on the person that's in front of you, focusing on making the connection and being a service, and that's the best way. And I've had this experience where, in between my jobs, when I wasn't making an, enough money and and I'd be worried about paying the mortgage and all that stuff. And I'd be, you know, eager, maybe even and people know people don't like people that are needy because it's a different energy. Mm -hmm. But once I could just relax and just focus on serving, the money comes. And so the idea is when you have a client, I mean, there's a whole person in front of you. So can we just relate to them and deal with what's there and by not trying to make the sale, we'll make the sale because we're serving. But just creating a space for them to be at ease 
so that they'll be relaxed and they'll be able to do things because it doesn't matter where you are, but our emotions are contagious. So it's just really understanding that you're serving the person. It's just like you calm yourself down and then it's easy for you to relate to them and that energy is going to affect their ability to calm down and just do the next thing, ask them questions, kind of get them to focus on the here and now and what they're focused on. Uh, but not denying and say, oh, don't worry about it, whatever. Just say you need a minute and you just breathe. And But I, these folks already know how to do it. But I think once you come out of that eye of the hurricane, you know what to do. There's an intuition. There's a wisdom. And these folks have to, some of them might even just be new. But being new, if you just be still in the deep listening, listening is not just what the person is saying, it's their energy, the nonverbal communication. You see they're at ease, or not at ease, or there's some distress there, or whatever, you just make space for it. And they know how to do that. It's just like, you know, if, it was a, if you met a young kid or a little child that was lost, and even though you have a meeting or sell a house or something, or you got to be at a recite, you know, a recital, your main thing is to be there with that child and to make sure that they're safe and that they feel cared for. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. George Mumford is author of Unlocked, Embrace Your Greatness, Find the Flow, Discover Success, as well as The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance. And we'll be back with George in a sec. But first, a reminder, whether you're just starting out or are a seasoned veteran, there's always information to add to your professional toolbox at crea.ca. From legal matters to navigating technology, it's all there simply by clicking creacafe.ca. Now, if you're like me, the lines are blurred between work you and real life you. And I think that's okay. But when we are our work, How do you make space in your life just for you, for rest, for peace? George Mumford has some answers that we hope will help on Real Time. You've used a beautiful phrase, fight, flight, and freeze, but you got to rest and digest. And before we let you rest and we digest all of this wisdom, George, I do have to ask you that because working in real estate can be high stress and Realtors are entrepreneurs with a lot resting on their ability to actively build their business. It's not a job where, say, you can leave the stadium or you can leave the office, and when you come home and you close the front door, you're in a different space. Your work is with you. You are your work in a lot of cases, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So how do you keep that lava flow from coming in your front door? What can you recommend as a takeaway tip for us, George, just to just to have that space, make that space. For some of us, it has to be a physical thing, like whether it's a candle or incense or just a certain mood. But what do you recommend? Yes, if you have a place in your house or a place where you can be alone. Uh, I was one of 13 children, and my 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 refuge was in the morning. I get up early before anybody else, and I could just be with myself, just be there, be quiet, and, and be with myself. So it's it's what Joseph Campbell talked about that as well. He said you have to have a room or a place where it's sacred space where you can just be in a room and be alone and not be around anybody else so you can be with yourself, but just not be with yourself and torture yourself, but be with yourself and just be kind and just be at ease, prayer, meditation. Maybe you read uh, you read uh, scripture or you read something that reminds you that you you are a masterpiece and that that you're going to go through struggles, you're going to go through difficulties, 
but it's those difficulties that allow your latent abilities to manifest if you're willing to say yes to it and willing to know that you need your me time. You just have to do it. You have to have some time when you can, maybe it's in the morning or at night or maybe you just go for a walk, but you have to have time where you can recover and just be and just be aware of how you're feeling, but just really having the me time. So some of us, you know, like I used to like to run, I go on a run or something, but it's really more about just sitting and breathing and knowing it. Like even even now, if people are not driving and like I'm I'm talking and sitting, I can just be aware of just being in my body and breathing in and breathing out. Some people do the do different kinds of breathing, but just stopping and smelling the roses or like you said, you might have a room or you might have a place. I like to walk along the beach, the ocean, but you have to have a time with what Joseph Campbell called creative incubation mm. you have to, that's where your thoughts and everything come you just be with yourself and you're just relaxing and just being there and just breathing and being in the moment and just and there's a lot of different things to do some of us have spaces that allow us to do that but you can we can create this ability to do that where we just spend time every moment i talk about uh well actually uh, this maria popova that has uh um uh, she has a thing called the Marginalian. It used to be brain pickings. And she talked about what she learned over the 10 years. And she talks about having these pockets of stillness where there's times when you just pause and you just stop. And you see it in commercial where they're selling a a, a certain car. But, you know, before you go in the house, when I, I used to work in a stress reduction clinic in the medical center, before you go in the house, you just sit there. Instead of just running right in the house, you just sit there and you just breathe and you just uh, relax and calm yourself and say, okay, you're about to do your most important work of the day. You have to be able to let go of what went on before and what's going to go on before it. So you can just be in the moment, just being it now. And even though we feel like we got so much to do, we have to think about it all the time. Well, that's how we get burnt out or that's how we get to a place of diminishing returns, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. But we have to exercise. It's called the relaxation response is what Herbert Benson, Dr. Herbert Benson, framed it is that we have this ability when we focus on one thing it could be a mantra or prayer or just sitting and watching our breath we allow ourselves to get into that rest and digest we're actually we're able to just recover the the spent energy especially the psychic energy there's a lot we can do but having a practice where we're praying and meditating or even having a gratitude practice or or a loving kindness practice or a compassion practice any of these things where we focus on these emotions and we can feel them. There's ways we can train ourselves to be in the moment. And Sean Accor has a whole thing. He wrote the happiness advantage. He has these five research habits that one could do. Like, for instance, uh, saying out loud or writing down three new things every 24 hours each day. Mm-hmm. Three things we can be grateful for. Just writing somebody a uh, uh, you know, supportive notice something yeah. or we live in an experience we really liked three conscious smiles just smiling mm-hmm. and it's interesting it takes 13 muscles to, to smile and 72 to frown so just smiling it changes your whole physiology just looking at it in a way where oh okay this is an opportunity this is a stepping stone this is not a roadblock and and that's what we have this ability to do is the glass half empty or half full both are right but if it's half empty you're coming from scarcity 
and your ability to access your mental capacity is diminished by 40%. So you got to be able to stay open. But how do I do it? How do I need to recover? How, how do I know when I'm stressed out? I have self-observable signs. Mm-hmm. Like for me, when I was in recovery and I had this, still had this, I'm too cool. I don't get stressed out. Mm-hmm. And my body would say, yo, man, this is stressing here because your shoulders are up around your ears mm-hmm. and you got a migraine headache. So when the migraine started coming on, I know I was trying too hard. So we have that this self-observable signs of distress. For some of us, it's eating too much, not sleeping enough. Just really being worried about things, awfulizing. That's what I learned. Yeah. Awfulizing, focusing on all the things that go, go wrong or focusing on which, what you're not doing instead of catching yourself doing something right or catching somebody else doing something right and trying to balance that equation of that self-negative self-talk and changing it into positive, supportive, or directed thought. So there's many, many things we could do to what I would call having self-awareness, this ability to have mirror mind, and then just generate thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are in alignment with us regulating ourselves so we can be in the moment, be at ease, and still be serious about what we're doing, but have this compassion, this lightness, this confidence that you can generate from that by just noticing that it's better to be in a growth mindset and see things as challenges versus seeing them as curses or things that shouldn't be happening. Amazing. Simply amazing. Thank you. You say we are all masterpieces, but boy, you, sir, are. And we are so grateful to have had this talk with you today. And who knows how many people will be taking in your message as we rest and digest. And thanks to you, George, for making time to be with us here today on Real Time. Well, thank you. And let me just point out something. Sure. That what you can see is what you are. So if you can see it in me... That's because it's in you. (laughs) Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. (laughs) Okay. You're welcome. I'm Erin Davis, and we invite you to like and share this podcast with everyone among your realtor community and elsewhere. Anyone you think that might also gain some wisdom from the words of George Mumford. And thanks for that. Real Time is brought to you by the Canadian Real Estate Association and is a production of Alphabet Creative sound tech by rob whitehead thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon on real time